Genesis chapter 3, please. The title is God the Designer. When you take it personally, you can say God my designer or our designer. But we've been seeing that we need to test everything because not everything that we hear, not every thought that we have is from God. There are other voices out there that are contrary to God and his word. So we have to guard our hearts. We are the ones who are responsible for watching over our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And um, so we're the ones who have to do that. Every thought is competing for our obedience, and we decide which one we obey. Every temptation starts with a thought, a thought that is a lie from the enemy. We're all good? Awesome. Every temptation determines God's identity, what we think God's identity is, and it also therefore determines what our identity is. If we change God's identity, ours is already changed. There's no way about it. And for us to sin, the enemy has to convince us of a different God, and once that has happened, our identity has just changed too. And now we are free to sin. And that's what he did in Genesis chapter 3, verse, we'll start in verse 1. I know we've looked at this the last couple of weeks, but now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say? That was the first temptation, not the fruit. But did God actually say? You see, he's planting the seed for the temptation. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Same thing, right? Did God actually say? Well, you're going to die if you did that. You're surely not going to die. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was good to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And so, did God actually say that's the first temptation from the enemy? And that is why it's so important for us to know the word of God and to know the whole counsel of the word of God. Because if you're just going to pick and choose the parts that you like, you're going to get messed up. The enemy was even picking and choosing. And he was changing things as well. <clears throat> he challenged God's word with them. And that's exactly what he does for us. Before we sin, he waters down God's word. He changes God's word. 
He changes the identity of who God is. And so, if we don't know God's Word, we will fall for anything that the enemy brings our way. The enemy lied to them right from the beginning because, as you remember, that's all he can speak. We've looked at that. Jesus said that he, when he speaks his native language, he's lying. So every time he opens his mouth, he's lying. So when the enemy comes to you and says that you're not going to make it, guess what? You're going to make it. When he says you're not going to get through this, guess what? You're about ready to get through it. Because he's lying. But what do we do if we don't know God's word and we don't know he's a liar when he says you're never going to make it? You're never going to amount to anything. Well, yes, I guess that's right. And can you put verse 1 back up? Because at the end of it, this is what he says. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any, if I say any, any tree in the garden? That's not what God said. <clears throat> He's trying to contradict God's word. He's trying to twist God's word. To get them to do something that they're not supposed to do. And he does the same thing to us. And that's why it's so important for us to know the word of God. And to have people in our lives that can speak to us. To be in, ten, uh, in tune with the Holy Spirit. And attentive to his voice. Because Jesus said that he's going to go away. But the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so when the enemy comes and he tries to lie to us, ding, 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 the red flags are going to go off. We're going to get that check in our spirit. You know, how come we stop paying attention to that check in our spirit? Here's what God said, Genesis 2, verse 15. And, and we looked at this last week again, but I just want to... We have to remember this, and, and we're going to go in a different direction today that it's just incredible. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but... And what did the enemy say? Any tree. You can't eat of any tree. That's a total lie. God says, you can eat of every tree, and he says, you can't eat of any of them. Mm. That's why it's so important for us to know the word of God. He says in verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now. I. I. I don't know if Christians have lost their minds. I, I think sometimes we have. Because when we read things like this, we sit there and we think in our minds, and the enemy lies to us. He, he did that to them. When God tells us to do something, or God tells us not to do something, it's for our good. It's not for our harm. It's, it's for our protection. It's for our safety. It's what is best for us. But the enemy comes in and he tries to twist it and challenge it 
Because he knows if he can do that, then we're going to fall for it. They fell for it. Because when she started looking at it again, and you go back, and we'll probably touch on this later, but she started admiring it. Oh, well, maybe it is going to make me wise. Maybe God is withholding good from me. The only thing they knew was good at that moment. Everything. They were in perfection. They were perfect. Everything around them was perfect. And yet, the enemy challenged them. Well, God is withholding good from me. No, He's not. He's withholding evil from you. Because all you know is good, but if you eat of that tree, you're going to know evil. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you that when God tells us what to do and what not to do, it's for our good. It's not because He doesn't like us. It's not because He's an ogre and doesn't understand real life anymore. It's not because culture has changed and He's outdated. No, it's for our good. It's for our protection. And He says, you, you will surely die. And the enemy comes and says, you will not surely die. A contradiction and a twisting of God's word and a, and a manipulation of His word. And you're going to hear me say this. That's why it's so important for us to know the word of God and to know the, the whole counsel of the word of God. And again, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. We need other godly, wise people around us. You know, there are other Christians who you can get advice from who are not godly and who are not wise and they will lead you down the wrong path. You need to find those who are godly and have, are wise and have a proven track record to be able to draw counsel from them. Because what we'll do is we'll find somebody who will agree with us. And if it's not this church, it'll be another church. We will go from church to church to church until we find the church that's going to agree with us. And we'll do that with our counsel too. You may call me up. You don't like my counsel. So you can call somebody else up. And you're going to keep doing that until you find somebody that's going to say, yeah, I think you're right. I, you know, yeah, I feel sorry for you. You can turn with me to Psalm 139. We will fall when we become discontent with the good that God has given to us. Again, they were in perfect goodness and yet the enemy just twisted things and they started thinking and they, become, they became discontent with truth, with God. And they fell into sin. Why is it so important to understand this? If the enemy can get us to question God, and his heart towards us. And if we fall for it. Then the enemy knows he has us. Because here's the reality. When we become discontent with God. We become discontent with God. Our designer.
for every human being ever conceived and ever born came from a God who designed them. We're not here by any other means except for if you were ever conceived, then it was by the will of God that that child was conceived. Now, for those, there are some out here who aren't going to like this next statement, but it's true. Science has even proved that. Well, we'll look at what God's Word says too. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you, and he's speaking of God, for you formed my inward parts. Who did? God does. Why? Because he's our designer. And I'm going somewhere with this, so just, I'm not relaxed, but y'all relax, okay? We're going somewhere. I'm relaxed, but I'm ready too. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. For every conception, God is behind it. He is. Here's why this is so important. In the garden, God was the creator of everything, right? He formed man out of the dirt, breathed into him. He became a living being. He had a mind. The spirit of God was in him. He's got flesh now. Then he gives him a woman to help him. And thank God he does. And man, I just want to tell you, they're there because they're there to help you. Quit resisting their help. Every human being is born, is conceived by the will of God. When the enemy comes in and he changes that, then this is what he does. He gets to change our designer. And we become our own designers now. If God isn't our designer, then guess what? We have to find out how did we get here? And then we have to start thinking about things all on our own. So when we remove God as our designer, which is sin, then we, have to, we are justified to redefine who we are and we can live any way we want to live. God was their maker in the garden. And He got them to doubt their Creator. He got them to change their mind on their designer. And when that happened, they sinned. When, when we don't have a proper understanding that we belong to God, that we came from God, then the world is at our hands. We can do whatever we want to do. We can become whatever we want to become, whether it's right or wrong. Because now we are the ones who have to take our life in our own hands. 
We're the ones who are going to determine who we are instead of God determining who we are. Hear me for a moment. If God is not our designer, then we are not designed. If God is, our, is not our designer, then we are not designed. For us to be designed, there has to be a designer. There has to be somebody who in their mind and in their heart brought us forth. There is no car that just automatically appears. There is a designer behind that car. There is no, nothing that just appears. It is designed. This stand that I'm using, it was designed by somebody. The microphones that we're speaking from, they were designed by somebody. They didn't just appears one day. Alright. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Designer, with a capital D, equals designed. Equals purpose. Equals destiny. If we have a designer God, then we are designed with a purpose and we have a destiny. And when we understand that God is our designer and that he has designed us with a purpose and with a destiny, then that will give us hope and strength and everything else that we need to become all that God has created us to be and what He created us for. And not only that, but we've looked at how He is involved intimately in our life as well. He doesn't just make us and then just say, okay, go figure it out. He all along the way begins to speak to us and he's leading us and he's guiding us and he's training us and he's disciplining us. He's doing everything to lead us to that place that he has created us for because he is the designer. If you know that you are designed and you are wise, then what you're going to do is you're going to give yourself to the hand of the designer which is God. And even though your life may not make sense in every area, we can trust Him. We can trust the designer of our lives. When the enemy got them to question God, they questioned God as their designer. And once God as designer was changed, then they lost their, their design they lost their purpose. They lost their destiny. Then they had to come up with it on their own. They had to figure out who are we and what is our purpose and what is our destiny. And all that leads us to becoming our own God. Small g. 
You see, when we take God out of the equation, out of the picture, and he's not the one who who created us, then we have to figure out, well, who did create us? And why am I here? And what is my purpose? What is my destiny? And we don't know outside of God. And so we have to come up with our own stupid logic. When we become our own God, when we are the ones who have to figure out who we are, then nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits for us. When God is no longer our designer, then we have to take control of our lives. And we fit God into our life rather than us fit into God's life, our designer, the life that he has for us. I'm going to illustrate this again because this is what I'm talking about. When God isn't our designer, this is how we see life. We see it through our own eyes. Okay. When God is our designer, we see life this way. We see the word of God first, then we see the rest of life. That's why it's so important for us to know the word of God. You see, what the enemy did was he got them to take God out of the picture. And now they have to figure out life on their own. So if you want to change good to evil, all you got to say is, well, that's not good anymore. If you want to make evil good, you can do that. Who can argue with you because you're now God unto yourself? So when we remove God as our designer, our identity can become whatever we want it to be. And it can change any way we want it to, whenever we want it to. We're not beholden to anything. However you want to identify, if that's what you want to identify as, that's what you are. That's what the world says. But what does God say? That's the most important question. Here is why this is all so important. When God is our designer and stays as our designer, then we subject ourselves To his absolute truth. Which is the word of God. We submit to that. We are subject to that. You may feel one thing. But you're going to go back to the word of God. And you're going to say. Excuse me. Okay God. What does your word say? Let me share this with you. It isn't true. Because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. The world wants to do it the other way around. It's in the Bible or it's true because it's in the Bible. So then they can uh, manipulate that truth according to their own thinking. Yes, they may think that it's in the Bible. They may read that it's in the Bible, but they can twist it and they can change it any way they want. They can bring contradictions with it. 
But when we understand that it's in the Bible because it's true, that's a different matter. That means that somebody has spoken this and his name is God. And when he says it, that's it. I remember when I was a young believer and met Diana's father. And he was an evangelist, traveled around. And he was at our church and he made the statement. He said that there was a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And he said, that's wrong. He said, if God said it, that's the way it is, whether you believe it or not. So take out the I believe. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No, if God said it, that settles it. Then you can believe it. Remember how we looked earlier that God's command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was for their good, for their protection, for their safety, for their whole well-being. And before they ate of it, all they knew was good. It brings me to Matthew chapter 7, and I'll give you a moment to turn there. Matthew chapter 7. All of this is leading to this. And Matthew chapter 7. This is how Jesus stated it. Starting in verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So let's break this down a little bit. What Jesus is saying is, is to walk with God in this world is not going to be easy. And it's not going to be applauded by the world. So we have to get that mindset first. It's not going to be easy. To walk with this God in this world means that not many will do this because the gate is narrow. The gate of salvation is only through Jesus Christ in his sacrifice and few give themselves to him. And he also states it, there is no other gate for salvation with God except through Jesus Christ. There's only one gate that leads to God. It's narrow. People say, well, how come there can't be other gates? Because God said there's one, and his name is Jesus. And that settles it. Amen. Whether you believe it or not, that settles it. To walk with God in this world means that it will be hard. We will be persecuted. We will be killed. We will be misunderstood. We will encounter difficulties for our faith. But Jesus said, this way leads to life. Woo. And I just want to throw this in. If it was easy, wouldn't everybody be doing it? 
Faith is not easy. Faith is a fight. It's a daily fight. But when you fight it with God, then it becomes a good fight of faith. When you fight it without God, it's not good. So the opposite of the narrow gate is the wide gate or the broad gate. And it says, and this is the way of the world, and it is easy to enter it. You, matter of fact, you don't even have to do anything to enter into it. You were born into it. Okay? We are born into sin because of the fall of Adam. We are automatically, every time that there is, from that moment on, every person that has been conceived and born has been birthed into sin. All we have to do to enter it is not only be born, but then as we grow up, we reject God as our designer. It's that easy. All you have to do is reject God as your designer and reject the absolute truth of His Word. And that is easy. Doesn't take any effort. And... The world will applaud you for it. They will encourage you in it. And they will give you all the likes your heart desires and needs to confirm they agree with you. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure about this. But I don't necessarily know that Facebook is evil and all those social media things. I don't know that they're evil, but they are definitely used for evil. And Christians have bought into this. They're more hungry for the likes from the world than they are to know that they're liked by God. They put stuff on there, and if you don't like it, they get mad at you. They tell you how wonderful they are, how loving and kind they are, but if you don't like me, I'm going to get rid of you. Oh, that is so loving of you. So kind of you. Turn with me to John chapter 15. So as Christians, we need to stop turning to the world to get our likes and our approval. But rather, we need to be concerned with, does God like what I'm doing? Does He approve of what I'm doing, the life that I'm living? When the world applauds us and likes us, then guess what? We are headed for destruction. And Jesus said about this one, He said, many enter through the wide gate. Because it's easy and it takes no faith. In John chapter 15. Jesus said it like this. And we're almost done so. We'll be out for lunch and good time. John 15 verse 18. If the world hates you. 
know that it has hated me before it hated you. Isn't that awesome? And so when you don't get the likes from the world and you want to have a pity party, stop it! The world is just doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't like light. It doesn't like truth. It doesn't want God to be your designer. It's that easy. If the world hates you, and I think that that word if probably is probably the word when. <laughs> I guess it could be if, because if you don't grow in your faith, then the world doesn't really care about you. But when you start walking with God, it's going to hate you. But Jesus said, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So be of good cheer. Verse 19, this is what he says. If you were of the world, the world would love you. They would like you. You could put anything you want on Facebook and they would like you. They would, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, look at your neighbor and say, you're not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So if you're not getting any hate mail, I don't know what to tell you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So be of good cheer. If the world disagrees with you, don't take it personal. It's okay. You're in good company. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. In other words, what he's saying is the world has lost their designer. They have become their own God. They don't want truth. They don't want God's truth. They want to figure out another reason for their existence. They want to be able to be free to change their existence into whatever they want it to be, whenever they want it to be. And you have to applaud it. No, we don't. The world can applaud you, but I'm not going to because I'm sticking to my designer. I like his plan for my life better than the world's plan for my life. Let's continue. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. I think Paul talked on this, didn't he? Romans chapter 1. For all are without excuse. Just when you look at the beauty of creation alone, you have to know that there's a designer and that's what Paul was getting at. Verse 23. Whoever hates me hates my father also. <laughs> you see it? They don't like truth. They don't want God to be God in their life. They want to be God in their life. 
24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 8, please. And I, I really... If you have your word, please turn into it because I want you to see that it's in your Bible. <laughs> While you're turning to Proverbs chapter 8. When we remove our designer when we remove God as our designer then listen to me then we are reduced to understanding our life only through the natural realm because when we remove God and and when I say God I'm talking about all of God. I'm talking about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God's Word. Because there's a lot of people who think that they know God, but they don't even know His Word, and they're not obedient to His Word. Therefore, they don't know Him. When we remove ourselves from God as our designer, then we are reduced to understanding life, our life and everybody else's life, according to the natural realm, and that stinks. Okay, there's no other way to put it. Our identity becomes what we see just in the natural. And I'll talk on more of this next week, Lord willing. So we view life, we view things just through this lens. We've reduced our life to what we understand with what our eyes can see and our ears can hear. And, and that's tragic. Because then we limit ourselves to who we are just in the natural. And we forget that we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. This life down here is not what God says really defines you. What really defines you is the fact that you are made in my likeness, in my image, and you are a spiritual being. And you're just having a temporary human experience for a little while. And when we remove God as our designer, then whew, that temporary human experience becomes everything in our life. So Proverbs chapter 8. He's talking about wisdom here. The blessing of wisdom. Okay, In other words, the blessing of being obedient to God's word. And Proverbs chapter 8, I, I would really encourage you to read it all. Because it's, it's all good. But I just, because of what Jesus said in, in Matthew and John, we'll just read this. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. And now, O sons... Listen to me. This is wisdom speaking. Listen to me. 
Blessed are those who keep my ways. Who have God as a designer. Okay? Verse 33. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. What's he talking about? Having a lifestyle that is anxious, that is hungry, that is anticipating hearing God's voice, His word, His instructions to our life, His truth, His design, His purpose, His destiny for our lives. We're not out trying to get it from somebody else. We're not letting somebody else define us. But we're letting God define us. Verse 35. For whoever finds me finds life. And, everybody say and. Obtains favor from the Lord. Isn't that awesome? So when we give ourselves to God and His Word and His ways and His purpose, His design for our life, then we're going to find life and we're going to obtain the favor of the Lord. And when you have the favor of the Lord upon your life, ooh, life is good. Mm. Because I love you and because God loves us, we'll have to read verse 36. You ready? But he who fails, everybody says fail, to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Kind of like what Jesus said. There is the wisdom from the world and there is the wisdom of God. And every day we get to choose which one we will obey. If we choose the world's wisdom and the world's way, we choose death. If we choose God's word and His way, we choose life. As Moses told the Israelites in Deuteronomy, I want to beseech you, choose life. Choose life. He said in Deuteronomy, stand with me. God is for you. He is so much more for you than you could imagine or think in your minds. He has such good plans for us. And all we have to do is give ourselves to Him. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. Thank you for your word and the truth of your word. And Father, I thank you that we will be a people 
who look to you as our designer, who look to you to be absolute truth. God, your word said it. It settles it. And Father, I thank you that we're becoming a people who are going to believe you more and more. We're going to find the life that you have for us and, and we're going to obtain the favor of you for that life. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, go have a great week.